Grace, mercy, and peace from God our Father and from the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. Jesus said, Have you understood all these things? They said to him, Yes. And he said to his disciples, Therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. This is our text. Authors J.R.R. Tolkien and C.S. Lewis have given the world some of the most revered stories ever written. The scriptures and Christianity shaped their worldview. And that worldview in turn shaped and molded their writing. But what about new projects based on their work? A series that serves as a prequel to The Lord of the Rings has been called into question for inconsistencies with Tolkien's carefully crafted and created world. Meanwhile, another adaptation of The Chronicles of Narnia from C.S. Lewis is in the works. It remains to be seen how much experimenting There will be done with that source material. Now, maybe inconsistencies with source material and current interpretations of beloved Christian fiction don't seem all that important in the big scheme of things. Fiction is fiction. What's the big deal? I would tend to disagree with that when it comes to C.S. Lewis and J.R.R. Tolkien. but, But the question is, what do we do when a new teaching comes along regarding God's word. You've got to put your head around this for a minute. At the time of Christ's public ministry, the scriptures would have included the Old Testament. The Old Testament, right? That's it. The New Testament had not yet been written. But, as Jesus proclaims the word of God, That is exactly what it is, the word of God being delivered as he teaches about the kingdom of heaven. And in Matthew 13, Jesus uses several parables to teach his disciples, and both Jesus and his disciples seem deeply concerned that they understand just exactly what our Lord is teaching. The parable of the sower, the parable of the weeds, the parable of the mustard seed, the parable of the leaven, the parable of the hidden treasure, the pearl of great value. And after all the parables in Matthew 13, this is our text that I read to you. Have you understood all these things? They said to him, yes. And he said to his disciples, therefore, every scribe who has been trained for the kingdom of heaven, is like a master of a house who brings out of his treasure what is new and what is old. This is a bold statement. This is itself a prophecy, really, because it points to a time when his words will be counted as Scripture. So why did the disciples have so much confidence in Christ Jesus? By the time that we reach chapter 13 in Matthew's Gospel, Christ Disciples had heard much teaching from Jesus, including ministering to great crowds, including the Sermon on the Mount. And by this time, the disciples had some idea of Jesus' teaching. 
even something as difficult of the parable. They understood who he claimed to be. Not perhaps in its fullness. That wouldn't be realized until the pouring out of the Holy Spirit. But they trusted Jesus and his teaching. Even something as difficult as the parables. A few weeks ago, we heard the parable of the sower and its explanation. But we skipped the text in between. As Christ speaks, and here's what we want you to know, as Christ speaks, Jesus often gives his hearers new teaching. Now, I use new very carefully because new doesn't necessarily mean different. What changes as Jesus proclaims the kingdom of God is that the promise of the scriptures now gives way to the fulfillment of those scriptures in Christ. Even the purpose and reception of the parables themselves are predicted in scripture, believe it or not. Matthew assures his readers that Jesus is fulfilling Isaiah's prophecy, both by teaching in parables and due to the fact that he's teaching those parables because so many think that they know the word of God and reject his teaching. They think that they know God's word already. But they don't know the word because they don't see the fulfillment in the word of God who stands right before them. I know the parables can sometimes confound us. (laughs) It's kind of meant to do that, I think, so that we can think about The kingdom of God. And Jesus gives his disciples so many ways to think about the kingdom of God. Ladies, I don't know if you, uh, when you first got your diamond ring, you know, when your husband proposed, if it was the fact that he proposed or it was the fact that the ring that caught you kind of, kind of captured your attention. But think of, Receiving a precious jewel and turning it and admiring it from different angles, right? It sparkles. It's beautiful to catch all the beauty of the treasure. That's kind of what Jesus is doing, showing the kingdom of God to his hearers. Many different shapes, many different ways to show that priceless treasure that is God's word. And the parables speak of the Christian life, certainly. But they point to Jesus. They point to the word made flesh. By the time we reach chapter 13 in Matthew's gospel, Christ's disciples had witnessed many miracles from Jesus, knowing that Christ's word does exactly what it says. Jesus had cleansed lepers. He had healed a centurion's servant, calmed the storm, cast out demons, healed a paralytic, raised the dead, much more. And not only that, but sends out the twelve with authority to cast out demons, heal the sick, and proclaim the kingdom of heaven is at hand. And it's at hand because God's promised rule and reign was being fulfilled by Christ and in Christ, the Messiah, the promised one. The Lord was here among them. The disciples, again, recognized this to some degree. 
right? Again, not in its fullness until after the Holy Spirit is poured out. They recognize it to some degree, but they had faith. But many, including the Pharisees, did not. They refused to recognize that a wonderful, beautiful, monumental shift was occurring right before their eyes. Again, the most glorious time to this day in human history until our Lord's return God's promise is becoming God's fulfillment. God himself had come in the flesh to deliver them from Satan's power and bring the crown of God's creation, that is mankind, to a perfectly restored relationship with its creator through the forgiveness of sins. The whole scripture points to one whom God would send to restore people. It's there already in the beginning, already in Genesis 3.15. And John makes the case that Jesus is there in Genesis 1, the second person of the Trinity, I should say, and connects it to John 1. That through him all things were made, and not anything was there that has not been made, right? That in the beginning was the Word, and the Word was with God, and the Word was God. You see, brothers and sisters in Christ, we look at the fall into sin, and I think we think, oh no, things went awry. Uh, Now we've got to go to plan B. That's not what the Scriptures teach. It's not like God was unaware regarding the devil's temptation. It's not like God didn't know about the fall into sin. It's not like God hadn't created things for a specific purpose. I know we wouldn't do things God's way. Couldn't there be another way? We wouldn't have done it that way. Couldn't we have done it so we could avoid this whole mess? Well, God had created mankind in his image. So not to grant mankind free will before the fall. God would have given them faculties that fell short of that image. He would have given them a world in which they cannot really exercise their free will. So that's part of it. But Paul helps us sort that all out also to his letter to the church in Colossae. Speaking of Christ. Listen carefully. He is the image of the invisible God, the firstborn of all creation. For by him all things were created in heaven and on earth, visible and invisible. Whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities, all things were created through him and for him. He is before all things, and in him all things hold together. And he is the head of the body of the church. He is the beginning, the firstborn from the dead. That in everything, I underlined this, that in everything, he might be preeminent. For in him all the fullness of God was pleased to dwell, and through him to reconcile to himself all things, whether on earth, or in heaven, making peace by the blood of his cross. We have an Old and New Testament, but it all points to Jesus. We have a unity of Scripture, and it all points to Jesus. 
If we read the Scriptures and do not see its fulfillment in Christ, we no longer have the Word of God. While teaching beside the Bethesda pool in Jerusalem, excuse me, Jesus told a group of Judeans, you search the Scriptures because you think that in them you have eternal life. And it is they that bear witness about me. See, here Jesus is unique. Like other rabbis of the time, Jesus spoke of the Old Testament Scripture as a united testimony. But unlike other rabbis at the time, Jesus joined the purpose of Scripture, salvation for eternal life, to the promised to the promised Savior, the central character of the Scripture, who has secured salvation for eternal life for all. And that is Himself. All the Scripture bears witness to Christ. The Old Testament points to His coming. The New Testament points that He has come and accomplished your salvation. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, What then do we do with new teachings in our day and age? We make sure that they coincide and conform to the word of God and the word of God made flesh. Long ago at many times and in many ways, God spoke to our forefathers by the prophets. But in these latter days, these last days, he has spoken to us by his son, whom he appointed heir of all things and by whom also he created the world. Jesus, the details of his life, what he did, what he taught is a treasure. Because it is at the heart of the scriptures. It is through him and only through him and only what he has done that you and I have eternal life. I think about that dawning (laughs) on the disciples in their time and age and what a miraculous thing that must have been, what a wonderful thing that must have been for them. It's no different now. What an exciting time to be alive To hear these words. That revelation is unfolding to you. The kingdom of heaven is at hand. You have treasure. Old and new. And these treasures don't send you in different directions. They do not re-envision or recast or reinvent. They always speak in eternal truth. New and old treasures. Point you to the true treasure. Jesus who is the Word of God made flesh. Because of Him, you have eternal life and salvation. And because of Him, you can be confident that He has made you God's treasured possession. Amen. I may the peace which surpasses all understanding guard your hearts and minds through faith in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen.